So many years ago, uh, my wife and I lived in a neighborhood, and boy, we loved to have a good time there. We had a party for almost any reason that would come up. Many times we'd just block off with some cars the street, and the parties would just flow from house to house and into the street. And, and it's sad to say that many times those parties got pretty loud. They were out of control. They were rowdy. And those are days that uh, I try to forget. But there's one in particular that just keeps coming to my mind. It was a good 35 years ago. I have to admit I had a few beers. Another guy there had a few beers. I didn't know him. Turned out he was the brother of one of our neighbors. And we got to talking sports, no less. And we were talking about the Cavs, the early days. And we were talking about Phil Hubbard. And, and next thing you know, we were disagreeing. We were arguing. We were calling each other's names. And, and it just really got ugly. Well, as time went by, I would recall that incident, and, and I would start to feel guilt and shame for what I did, what, what people saw, what people heard, and, and that went on for a while until, lo and behold, another party's happening, and that guy's there again. I saw him, and I knew what I needed to do. And so I went up to him, and I, I said, hey, I just have to apologize to you. I'm, I am so sorry for what I said uh, you've been on my mind ever since, and, and I just ask that you would forgive me. Well, his response has, has been in my heart for a long time after that, because he looked me in the eye and he said, what a jerk you are. Like, what you say even matters to me. I've never given you another thought. And he turned and he walked away. Fact is, forgiveness is tough. Forgiveness is emotional, and it can certainly be complicated, We'll come back to that in a moment, but we're in week number uh, three of a sermon series we're calling Red Letter Challenge. And I love this sermon series because we're looking at Jesus' words, and in many Bibles they're in red, and they're like highlighted. Hey, everything's important, but this is the words that Jesus spoke. And we get to look and see things that Jesus says about being with him, words about forgiving other people and receiving forgiveness, about serving those that are in need about giving from your heart with all that you've been blessed with, and then ultimately going, going and doing what God has called you to do. And last week, Pastor Mark was in here, and he started this series off with the whole idea of being with God, how important that is, to spend time in his word, to be with him, because the doing only flows out of us being with him and knowing what he wants us to do and what he's done for us. And now this week, we're going to take a look at the word forgiving. So what comes to your mind? What do you hear when you hear the word forgive or forgiven or forgiving? For many of you, you're kind of going, well, this is a message I don't want to listen to. And yet the reality is we all need to hear what God has to say about this. I'm the care pastor. I spend a lot of time in my office talking to people who struggle with forgiveness and there's kind of a common theme. The phrases are the same for most people. They'll come in and either they'll say, I could never forgive so-and-so for what they did to me. Or someone else will come in and say, I could never ask so-and-so to forgive me for what I did to them. Or they'll say, God can never forgive me for what I did. And some will just say, hey, I can't even forgive myself for what I did and we're going to dig into all of those in a moment, but I want to start with a really odd-sounding question. What does your couch look like? Kind of an odd question, right? But I'll bet if it's in your front room, it's clean and inviting to sit on. 
If it's down in the basement, it's probably an older version of couches that you had, probably got some stains on it. Maybe somebody spilled some grape juice on it inadvertently at one point. Maybe your dog mistook it for a fire hydrant. I don't know. But you know, what's interesting to me is that, that those couches can tell us a lot. And I think what you're wondering right now is, what's this crazy pastor talking about? Is he like trying to sell furniture after the service on the side or something like that? No, but you know, the reality is, regardless what your couch looks like on the outside, if I were to come into your house and remove the cushion, oh boy, I'll bet you I'd find a whole lot of gems that are hidden down in there, right? And the truth is you've been sitting on all of those things, all of that crud. It's hidden from view, but it's there. It's probably growing and fermenting, actually. Now, if you came to my house and did that and lifted up the couch where I sit, I know you'd find potato chips. You'd find chocolate chip cookies. You might even find an old version of a cell phone that fell out of my pocket and I haven't been able to find it. Maybe some unopened mail, because that's where I usually read the mail. And, but I think for most of us, our lives resemble the couch. Oh, sure, we look pretty good on the outside. We clean up pretty well. We come to church, and, and we let everybody know that you know, we're okay. Our Facebook looks really good for everybody to see. But the reality is we're just like the couch. There's lots of stuff that we have pushed down out of sight from everybody else. We try to hide it from them, and quite frankly, we even try to hide it from ourselves, the crap and the crud and the junk of our past. And the reality is they hurt us, they embarrass us, and we know that uh, we don't know what to do with all that. So that's what we're going to do today. That's what this section in the Red Letter Challenge is about. If you've missed some, don't worry. Starting today is, week, or is day number 13, going to 19. It's all about forgiving. If you're in a small group, we're going to talk about it. But let's set up a little definition of what forgiveness is. It's a conscious decision, first of all, to release feelings of resentment and vengeance towards either a person or a group of people that we feel have hurt us, even if they don't deserve to be forgiven. And I guarantee we all have had to deal with that. And some of you right now might be in the middle of one of those tough situations. But the good news is God has a lot to say about forgiveness. So I want us to start with a verse that I think can be a good launching pad for our conversation today. It's in Ephesians 4.32. It tells you to be kind and compassionate to one another. And then here's the part that we're going to focus on. Forgiving each other. And it says, just as Christ God forgave you. I love the message translation of this particular verse. It tells us to be gentle with one another, sensitive with one another. And then it says, forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. It instructs us to forgive, but did you get the part that we are to forgive only after we understand God's forgiveness to us? Quite frankly, we can't give away something that we haven't first received. Question is, do you realize that God forgives you? And it's an honest question. You may say, well, of course, we come every week and we hear that. But do you hear it? You hear the words, but do you believe it? Do you know that God loves you, that God forgives you? In spite of you, he loves you and forgives you. First of all, you got to look in the mirror. You got to analyze, hey, do I even sin? 
Are there things in my past that I'm ashamed of? Are there things that I've done to hurt people? Have I hurt God with those things? And so we have to acknowledge them so that we can ask for forgiveness. And this is pretty tough in our culture today. Let's be honest. We live in a culture that says you can justify almost anything you do. And if you can't, you just blame somebody else for it. Look at Adam way back in time. What did he do? He blamed Eve. What did Eve do? Well, he blamed Satan and, quite frankly, even God. And then sometimes we tend to dismiss our sins and don't ask forgiveness because we justify by saying, well, it was just a little sin. You know, no harm done. You know, it was just a little white lie. There are no little sins. There are no safe sins. Every single sin has the same wages of, of the sin that is death. The big ones, the public sins, the big stains on your front room couch, as well as the little ones, the ones that maybe you have purposefully hidden underneath the cushion so no one will see. God says acknowledge them all. Ask for forgiveness. Own them, and he'll forgive you. There's two verses back to back that I think are just the center point of everything. In 1 John 1, 8, it says, if we claim to be without sin... Okay, what I just talked about, if you say, hey, I don't need forgiveness, I'm a good guy, or a pretty good guy, or a pretty good gal. So if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth's not in you. Well, quite frankly, if you don't ask forgiveness, you're not getting forgiveness, right? And yet the next verse says it all. It's the great gospel. It simply says that if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just. He'll forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Aren't those sweet words? It's the basis of forgiveness. We sin, we confess, and God forgives 100%. Now, a neat story that, uh, uh, in the Bible that I've always been fascinated by. And, and it's a story about this woman, and she's caught in adultery, and they want to trick Jesus. So they bring her to him. Now, they don't bring the guy she was unfaithful with. That's interesting, isn't it? Although I kind of wonder if he wasn't in the crowd stirring everybody up so they don't look at his sin. But on the other hand, they bring her before Jesus and they try to trick him. They go, this woman committed adultery and the law of Moses says we got to stone her. Okay, Jesus, what about you? What do you say? So they're trying to trick him because if he goes and he says stone her, then he's kind of going against all he's been teaching and all he's been doing about forgiveness and love. And if he says, don't stone her, then, uh-oh, we caught him. He's now going against the law of Moses. And I love what he did. I wish I could have been there. He kind of stoops down and he starts writing in the dirt. And we don't know what he wrote. I wish they told us. But maybe he was doodling some pictures. Maybe he was writing some scripture down. In my mind, and it's not enforceable, but in my mind, I think maybe he was writing the names of the people that were there and next to him, some of those little under-the-cushion hidden sins there. Maybe, don't know. But the story says when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is out sin be the first to throw the stone at her. In my version of the story, he's saying, hey, let's talk to the dirt down here, guys. And then you see the older ones who probably had a pretty long story written. They leave first, and then everybody leaves. And, and that's a great story in itself. And yet it continues on. Jesus straightened up, and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, so, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. 
And then listen to the end of it. Go now and leave your life of sin. Great story, huh? Well, let me tell you something. I'm that woman. You're that woman. We're caught in sin, right? And God knows it. God already died on a cross for it. But he wants us to own it. He wants us to tell him we're sorry. Help me, Lord, not to do those things again. And then he says, you're forgiven, now go and sin no more. See, it's God's love for you. Now, we all know John 3.16, or most of us have heard it enough times, and we kind of nod our head, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's why we are forgiven, because God in his love sent Jesus to die for us. But it reminds us, he's not some meanie trying to punish you in some way for your sins. But listen to the very next verse, John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Every other religion is going to tell you you've got to do something. You've got to do something to pay for your sins. You've got to do something to earn your way to a God that would love you, that you can spend time with and and, and how much do you have to do? Well, they would say, well, it depends on how big your sins are. And that isn't biblical. By the way, there is nothing that you could ever do to pay for one little sin that you've committed. But you don't have to. The good news is we confess, trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he forgives you. And then there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Confess your sins, proclaim Jesus Lord and Savior, and your sins are forgiven. So, is that it? Sermon's over, we're forgiven, yahoo? No. The point of it is because we are forgiven, now we're supposed to be transformed. We're supposed to live a different kind of life. And the question for you is, since you're forgiven, are you personally a forgiving person? What do I mean by that? Well, that first verse that we looked at, are we kind? Are you compassionate to one another? Do you forgive each other the same way just as Christ God forgave you in in Christ Jesus? Do, Do we do that? What do you think? Are you saying to yourself, well, kind of good. You know, I have a list of people here. I'll forgive them, but, you know, Lord, I, I I shouldn't have to forgive them. Or I'll forgive you if you do this, but here's the line. I won't forgive you if you do that. Have you offered forgiveness to others? You know, I find it intriguing as I listen when we say the Lord's Prayer here in worship. And kind of interesting, we go, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We don't so much like that second part of that, do we? Or maybe we say it boldly, but we got a little asterisk in our mind that says, well, except for so-and-so. You know, Lord, that they don't deserve forgiveness. There's a little four-year-old. He's saying the Lord's Prayer, and uh, he got the words mixed up a little bit, and he said, uh, Lord, forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. It's cute. It's funny. But boy, is it insightful. Our trash, our sins, our offenses. And the ones that people commit to us. 
Colossians 3.13 says to bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know if you caught that in there, but it says to forgive each other. It says to forgive one another. Kind of sounds like God's saying forgive everybody. Yeah, even the asterisk people in your prayer life. Even the ones that have hurt you really badly. Even the ones that have hurt you more than once. There's a great exchange with Peter in, in Jesus in Matthew 18. Peter came to Jesus and asked, uh, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 77 times. Now don't get lost. That doesn't mean on number 78 we're okay. It's not about a number. It's about a forgiving heart. A heart that knows it's been forgiven and is now capable of forgiving others. And, and I'll, you might ask, well, how will I know if I truly forgave someone? Here's the way it is. Can you pray for them? Not pray that they'll keep hurting you, but can you pray that they connect with God, that God transforms them, that God forgives them, that God works in their life, changing their heart. And by the way, it's only when you can do that that you will truly get rid of the negative emotions of bitterness and vengeance and revenge. Now, it's really important that I add right now in this part of the message something important to you. What forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay. It's not saying it didn't hurt you. It's not saying, come on and do it again. What it's saying is, it hurt. It was wrong. But I'm not going to carry that around with me. That's not my job to carry that around with me. I'm going to turn it over to the Lord and let him handle it as only he can. And the poster child for all that is Joseph. If you remember the story of Joseph, uh, his brothers sell him into slavery, right? I mean, and, and he's off, he's a prisoner and, and a slave. And, and I think if we were to take a show of hands, I think most of us would say, yeah, that's the asterisk. That's the, they do not deserve to ever be forgiven for that. Well, in the story, we fast forward, 20 years have gone by, and now Joseph's in a position of power over those same brothers, and we read that his brothers came and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in a place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. How did he do that? What was the, the secret sauce that he had in his life? Well, when we read this story, repeatedly we say what that secret sauce was. It says the Lord was with him. Joseph knew he didn't have to carry around revenge and vengeance and bitterness. He says, I'll forgive you and I'll put it in God's hands. And God saved the whole nation through that. So we're called to forgive others. But you know what? We're also called to seek forgiveness from those who have hurt us. Have you asked forgiveness from other people? That's a tough question, right? It requires you to take a pretty deep and honest look inside. What have I done or said that could have hurt or offended someone? I need to own it. 
James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Then it goes on to say, And pray for each other so that you'll be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And that seems hard to do. Again, in our culture, we kind of want to adjust it. Well, they had it coming to them. I'm the judge and I'm the jury and I'll send out the message here. That's not what God asks you to do. He wants you to humble yourself and to seek forgiveness and try to make amends, try to make things right again. Now, if you're going to do that, you need some tips, some help in this area. If you're going to go to someone and say, hey, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Number one, pray first. Pray that your heart's in the right place. Pray that, that the situation goes well. Do that before you approach them. Number two, have the right frame of mind. Don't say, boy, or, or say, I'm really sorry that I hurt you. Don't go there going, oh, sorry I got caught and I got to do this. Have the right frame of mind. And then choose the right time and place for you and for them. Don't do it when you're rushed. Don't do it when there's other people around. And then lastly, don't justify any reason why you did it. Don't blame them at all for why you did it. Just seek forgiveness. And remember, it's not your job to make a reconciliation. It's your job to offer that to them. Remember the guy in my opening story? There's no reconciliation with that. He said, I want nothing to do with you, and he walked away. But I did what God asked me to do, and I asked him to forgive me. Now, many times we know that God forgives us, and that we forgive other people, and that we seek forgiveness from them. But then we have a harder issue because we won't forgive ourselves. There's things under the couch that we just don't think God can forgive us for. And so we'll never forgive ourselves. And the question to wrestle with, have you forgiven yourself? I have found in my life that Paul gives me a lot of good advice. And this section in Philippians 3 is great. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Here it is. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. If you want true joy in your life, you have to deal with the past. It's there, it happened, you have to deal with it. That's what you do. You deal with it. But you focus on the presence, on the day that you have been given as God for a, as a gift for you to use wisely. And then you can look forward with joy to what he has planned in the future. How do you do that? Well, what we've been talking about. It starts by you asking God to forgive you and realizing that he not only paid the price for it, he will never bring it up again. Let me say that again. He will never bring it back up again. But you know what? Satan will. He loves to do that. He loves to jab you with that. Oh, remember you did that two years ago? Don't listen to him. You know, before you do something, Satan gets in your head and he goes, go ahead, it's okay. It's just a little thing. You're only going to hurt a couple people. They deserve it anyway. Everybody else is doing it. And then once you do it, once you take that bait, he goes, you did what? God hates you. He'll never forgive you for that. And that's when we don't feel good about ourselves. We can't receive that forgiveness for ourselves. Don't listen to Satan. We've been talking most of this message about you tell God you're sorry, he forgives you, he erases the slate, you are like new. He'll never bring it back up again. And you say, okay, but 
what about the guilt, the shame, the condemnation that I feel? Easy answer. Guilt's about what you did. Jesus paid the price and it's gone. He took the guilt away. Shame, that's kind of about who you are and you are a child of God. You are forgiven. The shame is gone. And as we read earlier, there is now no condemnation for any of you. No condemnation. Satan loses. You're forgiven. And because you're forgiven, now go out and offer forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and be the person that God created you to be. A couple of action steps as you walk out of here, as you digest this message. I will joyfully receive God's forgiveness. Joyfully. It's a free gift through faith. It's God's grace to you. He has mercy on you. Live that life. Number two, I will joyfully offer forgiveness to others and seek their forgiveness. Be a forgiving person because you are a forgiven person by God. And then I really encourage you to just keep participating in this red letter challenge. 13 to 19 are the days that are all about forgiveness, very well written, all the little facets of forgiveness. It'll bring joy to your face. Lord, boy, we confess, we sin, we mess up, we fall short. We got stains on the outside and stains beneath our cushions. Lord, thank you that you have promised to forgive us when we confess and repent. You have promised to help guide us to a better life. You already died for the sins that we're going to commit. Now give us a, a very forgiving heart, Lord. Help us to forgive others when they hurt us. Help us to seek their forgiveness and try to make amends and reconciliation if we can. Lord, help us to live a life that glorifies you. In your name, Lord, amen.